Amen, amen. Let's do that again. That feels good. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. Joyful noise unto the Lord. Amen, amen. Amen. We were singing that song, and I didn't understand. He loved me ere I knew him. So I had to look up the word E-R-E, air, and that means before in time. So he loved me. I figured that it meant something like that. But what a powerful verse. He bought me, he sought me with his redeeming love or blood. And he loved me even before in time I knew him. He still loved me. And I could tell you today that he loved you way back then. And because he never changes, he still loves you today. You're still of value to Jesus this morning. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles want to turn briefly to the book of Psalm, Psalm 40, and we'll be reading the first eight verses of Psalm chapter 40. It is an honor always to preach to this congregation. Someone asks me if I get nervous. They say I don't look nervous. I tell you I'm nervous. I'm always nervous. Always want to be in God's will. Amen. And this is Sunday school, so we... We do object lessons in Sunday school. I love object lessons. Thank you, Brother Caden, for helping me with this. We'll get to that in a minute and talk about what that means. Psalm 40, verse 1. This is a psalm of David. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. What a great thing. When you talk to Jesus, he's going to listen. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust, and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord, my God, are thy wonderful works, which thou hast done, and thy thoughts, which are to us word. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I, would declare unto, if I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened. Burnt offering and sin offering hast thou not required. Then said I, lo, I come. In the volume of thy book it is written of me, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. This morning, I want to teach a lesson on this thought, basis of bearing. Basis of bearing. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Savior, we love you, and we magnify you, and thank you for your goodness this morning. The Holy Ghost is in this place, and we pray that you would permeate through every mind and heart. Help us, God. Encourage us strengthen us, and we will be careful to praise you and give the, the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Basis of bearing. Nobody, at least anybody that I know, uh, they do not like to be lost. It's a terrible feeling. Uh, it's a scary feeling to be lost. Um, it's also a scary feeling to know about somebody who is lost. For example, parents, have you ever lost a child in a crowded mall or any crowded area? 
There is a sudden fear that grips you and it arrests your attention in so much that you, can, you cannot even think clearly. I could remember one day when Monroe was about two years old and the front door was left open unintentionally and we were trying to get things ready to leave the house and all of a sudden we recognized we didn't hear her little footsteps across the wooden floor. And then everything that we were doing that seemed important came to a halt because the question at hand was, where is Monroe? And frantically, we're searching every room, every closet, opening every door, looking behind every door, going outside, calling her name, looking down in the backyard, in the front yard, wherever we, we were, we were screaming out her name. I immediately uh, ran to the street and looked both ways to see if there were any suspicious vehicles that were peeling out and just calling out, Monroe, Monroe. And then we got to one side of the house where there was a dog run and she was all the way in the back in that gravel lot just standing there, quiet, like nothing was wrong. And the instant relief that came over us, which all of a sudden before was, was a racing heart, it, it, it was comforting to know that she was safe. I've, I remember Brother Nate Reese in this church a couple of times could not find Isaac in everything. Every conversation had to stop. We were in the foyer one time, and Sister Reese told Brother Nate, where is Isaac? And we started looking around, and he couldn't be found, and, and he started taking long steps looking for Isaac. Where is Isaac? Same scenario. He was just somewhere, wandered off. It is not fun to be lost or to know of someone that is lost Today we have incredible technology um, that helps us. Now, in time past, before maps were real easily or readily available to, to get a hold of, uh, it was something. There was something about a lot of men, especially, that it hurt their pride to ask for direction, because we like to know where we're going, and we like to be sure of uh, our direction and our path. And today, technology helps us out. Greatly, GPS and cellular service is such a benefit to us. You could type in your location of where you want to go, and it can find you up to accuracies of no more than 10 feet. It can show you exactly where your position is. That sometimes can be a little scary, too, because you wonder who's watching you. But you can just type in Google Maps where you want to go, and you can find your destination. You could choose what type of destination you want. I want the shortest route, or I want the shortest time. I want to avoid tolls or highways. This is very possible. Um, you can even add waypoints along your destination. I want to go to Dairy Queen before I get here, and so you can put that as a side trip. And it'll take you there. It'll take out all of the thinking for you. You just follow the map. As long as you have good signal, you're on your way driving happily because you feel like you know where you're going. And that is a great tool and helpful. I was reading an article uh, about uh, people who get lost in the woods, and this was by the Forest Service in 1946, and they gave some very sound advice of what to do if you were ever lost or lost in the woods, especially at night, and they gave some pointers. There's a couple of old articles which I thought was interesting and wanted to point out for today's message. What to do if you get lost in the woods? Well, number one, you have to have a clear head because a clear head will find itself. 
You can't get all uh, scared and let fear take over. You can't get so nervous that you can't think straight. And that happens. So you have to have a clear head. If everyone remembered this, there would be fewer reports of persons lost in mountains or forests, according to the United States Forest Service. Another thing that they suggested is finding oneself when lost is the test of a man. Knowing where you are when you're lost is something that is incredibly helpful, says a veteran of the Forest Service who has seen men, women, and even children save themselves by sheer pluck and presence of mind. Loss of mental control is more serious than the lack of food and water or clothing or the proximity of wild animals. The man who keeps his head has the best chance to come through in safety. And then they give these five tips that I want to briefly go over. These are rules, they say, that are worth remembering if you are lost. Number one, you need to stop. You need to sit down and try and figure out where you are. Use your head and not your legs. A lot of times missing persons are difficult to trace and track down because they're frantic, they're panicking, and they just keep walking, and they don't know where they're going, and they keep getting themselves in a worse situation than where they could be if they just stopped, and they tried to figure out where they are. And number two, uh, if they were in a, a storm or caught in the fog, or it was dark at night, they needed to stop at once and make a shelter spot, get some shelter and find a tree or or, or something and put some shrubs around it. Make, make a place that's safe and just stop and protect yourself. Find a place of safety and then start a fire. Try and find dry fuel so you can keep the fire burning. This is important because a lot of times it's easier to spot smoke from the sky if a helicopter is in the air looking for you than it is to find you on the ground underneath the canopy of tree cover. Don't wander about and travel downhill because eventually when you go downhill you hopefully will reach a valley or a plateau where it's wide open and you are more visible. But don't wander and try and go in a sure direction. If you're injured, choose a clear spot on a promontory place and make signal smoke. And number five, don't yell, don't run, don't worry. And above all, don't quit. Don't quit. These are important rules and, and things that are suggested. And not everyone would know these rules. And, and so you have to be very vigilant when you go off into an unknown place to take care of yourself. And so using what we have just talked about, it is better to carry a clear head on your shoulders than to just pack a bunch of stuff in your backpack and think that you're going to make it and rely on just those things. It's better to have a clear mind. And so thinking about these rules, I wanted to apply them today in, in a spiritual sense because we can become lost very easily and we can get sidetracked. And as a matter of fact, that's what the enemy of our soul is trying to get us to do. He's trying to get us off track. And he does that by implementing doubt and trying to get you confused and disoriented. He wants you to lose your way. And so we can lose our way sometimes on this path we call life. 
How do we get back on track and how do we establish our goings in the way that the Lord intended? Well, using just these simple rules that the Forest Service has implemented. Number one, you, you need to stop. You need to recognize your surroundings. Quit wandering around. Quit trying to stay lost. But stop and gather your thoughts and and know your location and quit running from the danger that you're in and face it head on. A lot of times to solve a problem, you have to admit that there is a problem. Some people can't even get a solution to their problems because they can't admit that there is something wrong with them. And so they try to go somewhere else and blame that person or try and solve it a different way and try and figure out another thing. But you just need to stop and recognize you're in a place that you have a problem. How can you solve this problem? Quit wondering. Quit running from it. And number two, find a safe place. You're caught in a storm. There's danger coming. There's an imminent danger around you. You need to find a safe place. And you need to establish yourself there. And I can tell you today, there's no safer place than being in the house of the Lord around God's people with a pastor over your life. That's where you need to be. You may be confused and may not know that where your answer comes from. You're not going to find it anywhere else. You're going to find it in the house of the Lord. Why do we forsake not the assembling of ourselves together? It's because I know where my help comes from. It comes from the Lord. This is a shelter for me, for my family. This keeps me away from danger and harm. When the storms are blowing, I can come to the house of the Lord. I can find an altar, and I can keep a fire burning, a fire on the altar of repentance, and I can let the Lord uh, commune with me. The church is important. I love being apostolic. We're unique. We're a peculiar people. We're a, we're a holy people. A chosen generation. It's because we know where our shelter is. We know who God is. And we keep Him first. When there's trouble, we come to the house of the Lord. We turn to the Word of God because that is how we can stop ourselves from being lost. Don't wander about. We need to quit putting ourselves in hopeless situations and find stability. That's what we need to do. And, and if you're injured, you need to cry for help. You need to make your position known unto God, and He will rescue you. He desires to help you. We sang about it today. He sought you, and He bought you before you even knew it. He cares immensely about where you are, and He is your very present help in the time of trouble. Never give up, even though it looks like everything is stacked against you. That all the odds are against you and you're not going to, in your mind, be successful or be an overcomer. Never give up on the Lord. His timing is perfect. You just remain faithful and keep doing that which is right. And then I add to it, always focus on the positive things. Having a clear mind helps you determine where your focus should be. The battle most of the time, they say 90%. Is between the ears. You don't want to come to church because I hear this. This is real. I hear this monthly. 
because I don't, I don't like what those people think about me. I don't want to hear what they'll say about me. And it's a battle in your mind. I've told people, I don't hear people talking about you. I don't know what you're talking about. You come to the house of the Lord, you're loved. We love you. We want you here. Yeah, I know there's going to be some people that talk, but this is where you need to be. The battle is, is when your mind isn't clear and you need focus and you need direction and you need a clear path. Today we're talking about a basis of bearing the public land system, the system which created all of the land that we are on today here in America and sectioned it out, uh, the surveys of the public land system. They intended to uh, create surveys that were relative to true meridians. And I won't bore you with that. If you have a prime meridian and everything is established, you have longitudinal and latitudinal lines, and those determine your position on terra firma. And so as county and private surveyors began creating new lands and surveying lands, new uh, numerous systems, numerous uh, bearing systems were developed. But in order to keep everything consistent and to reduce error, they had to have what's called a basis of bearing. And so in my line of work, we check several maps, track maps, parcel maps, records of survey, lot line adjustments, parcel map waivers. And when the surveyor submits his map, we have to know where he is in the world. He has to have a basis of bearing. The reason I established this lot, the reason my angle and my bearing read this way, it's because this is my line of reference. It's basically just a point of reference. It's a reference line. And before you can begin to orientate or create borders and expand your borders, you have to have a basis of bearing. You have to have a point of reference. You can't go any further if you're just sitting on one point. And so you have to focus on something that has already been established. You have to have a reference to a, to a line of reference that's been monumented, that works. And once you're on that line, you and others can start to see what you're building and you can create property and you can create land and you won't infringe. You shouldn't infringe on your neighbor because you're using a line of reference and you are not encroaching where you shouldn't be. You have a basis of bearing or you know where you're going. You are referenced to a certain line. Once you have your sights on that point of reference, your whole world becomes orientated and you're able to recognize and you're able to perpetuate your life, perpetuate your survey, build your dreams. And so this is what this represents today. This is, uh, uh, I think, a, a 1930 to 1950 era. I can't find the date, but I've seen models of such of a W.L.E. Gurley. That's the name of the person that made these instruments. It's a W.L.E. Gurley Transit. And it has an optical plummet that can rotate vertically, and this piece can rotate from side to side. And uh, this is very important. Um, nowadays, we don't use this method, but I have used this method to retrace older surveys. And this plummet sets right underneath the optical plummet of the instrument. And the point on, of reference of which I'm setting on that plumb bob is straight vertical to it. And so the first thing in life before a survey has to begin is you have to know where you are. 
You have to understand that you're in a position and you have to perpetuate that position. But before you get there, you have to know where you are and you have to understand that I have to be on top of this before I can move further. You have to know where you are. And then the other most important thing to establish a line, those that are geometry minded, a line is consisted of two points. Two points anywhere on a plane, that's a line. Anywhere, floating anywhere, that's a line. And so you have to have clear vision of where you're going. You have to understand once you lock in this line and turn this angle and lock the instrument into place, you have a line, you have a point of reference. You have a basis of bearing. And now they can pull from this point a measurement and they, they can pull a tape measure, a steel tape, and you can set points along that line and go set up on those points and reference that point again and you can turn angles and establish boundaries and lot lines. It's just a basis of bearing. But if you're just autonomous setting on one point, you're not going to go anywhere because you don't know where north is. You don't know how to orientate where you're going. Every one of us need a basis of bearing. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, that wherefore seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. How do I run this race? You have to look unto Jesus in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2. Looking unto Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the one that established it. He's the one that's going to end it. And so before I go anywhere in life I have to set my eyes on the one who has already blazed the trail. He's my point of reference. He's where I'm headed. He's my reference line. He's my basis of bearing. If I don't have him in my foresight then I can't build. I can't grow. I can't get anywhere in his kingdom. And that's the problem with people. They put the wrong thing in their foresight. They put their own materialistic dreams or their own self in the foresight. And that's where everything goes south and it's shattered because Jesus isn't at the center. Who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross despising the shame and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. We need to focus and align our lives today. We need to get on track. We need to understand where we are. And we need to put Jesus at the center, at the foresight, and establish everything off of him. Because it is with him we are blessed. It is with him there is healing. With him in our lives we have the blessings of God, the favor of God. This is really simplistic. I'm using old instrumentation to give a not new concept today. We could come to the house of the Lord and still leave the same way. That is not the way that the Lord intended it. We could come here so focused on our problems or other people's problems or bitterness and things that aren't right or the way we want to see them and we lose sight of what the will of God is and we leave unchanged. But I can tell you today, if you come into this place, there is help, there is mercy, there is liberty. If you just focus off of yourself and put everything on Jesus. He said, cast all your cares upon me because he cares for us. There are things sometimes that can block vision. You get trees online, leaves, and you know there is a magnifying glass in there. And you can see a certain distance per whatever instrument. You could get animals 
Things can come over and knock down the tripod. I've worked in areas where there's livestock. Cows will come by. You have to be very careful. Uh, we tell our surveyors, hey, that instrument's more important than you, so stay by it, especially if you're in the road, because we don't care if you get hit as long as the instrument's okay. We have to teach them somehow, so. I'm just kidding. We don't do that all the time. But things can block your vision, weather. And so you have to understand that if that happens, you have to clear the path. You have to get things out of the way. You see PG&E towers, and they go for miles. And if you look in line with them, you'll notice that they have blazed the trees out of the way, especially back east in heavy vegetation. That took somebody with a machete and an instrument to give that line, and they had to cut things out of the way so they could get a sight of where they're going and stay on the proper easement so they wouldn't encroach where they shouldn't be. They had a good basis of bearing, and they followed that. And you need to get things out of your vision that are blocking the sight of Jesus. You need to know, hey, I can't deal with bitterness right now because that will get me out of focus on who the master is. I can't deal with the cares of life right now. I have to focus on what Jesus wants me to focus on. I can't worry about your problems. I need Jesus in my life, and I have to keep him at the focal point. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, if Ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ setteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Setting my affections on things above. I'm not going to let the cares of life, the problems of life, those things that can get me off track, I'm not going to let that tear down my affection and where it should be. This is what happened to Gehazi. If you remember, he, he got greedy, and because of his greed, he was punished. Gehazi, you are, you are underneath the prophet, and you are watching God work in ways that no man has seen before. And Elisha has just been put into the position of allowing God to speak through him. And Naaman, the Syrian leader, he was healed of his leprosy because he found where Elisha was and he wanted to give Elisha, he wanted to give him things uh, uh, just to reward him for what God had done in his life. But Elijah didn't want it. He didn't want to take glory for something that God had done. And so just roughly in a nutshell, after Naaman left, the Bible says uh, that Naaman left. So Gehazi followed after Naaman. And when Naaman saw him running after him, he lighted down from the chariot to meet Gehazi and asked, Is all well? Gehazi said, All is well. My master has sent me, saying, Behold, even now there be come to me from Mount Ephraim two young men of the sons of the prophets. Give them, I pray thee, a talent of silver and two changes of garments. And Naaman said, Be content, take it. Here it is. You can have this. And so when he came to the tower, he took them from their hand and bestowed them in the house and he let the men go and they departed and he went in and stood before his master Elijah said unto Gehazi whence comest thou Gehazi and Gehazi said thy servant went no whither and he said unto him went not mine heart with thee when the man turned again from his chariot to meet thee is it a time to receive money is it a time to receive garments or to 
receive olive yards or vineyards and sheep and oxen and men servants and maid servants. This is not the time for that, Gehazi. And the leprosy, therefore, of Naaman came and it clave to Gehazi. What happened, Gehazi? His focus got on these things, on the riches of life, materialistic things. He lost his focus. He didn't set his eyes on those things that the Lord had intended for him. And even he lied and he hid and all of these things. It's interesting when you get off the path that you're supposed to be on. When you leave your reference line and you go somewhere else, sin just has a way of making you sin more and more and more until now you're found in a state of leprosy and now you need God more than you did before you got off of your basis of bearing. What are we doing today in the house of the Lord? And why do we preach from this pulpit messages over and over, messages that you've heard before? It's because we don't want you to get off path. God doesn't want you to stray from the basis of bearing because when you do, your life will be worse. You may think that things are happening now and they're not to your favor, but if you go astray from the Lord and you lose sight of where He is, your life can end up even worse than where it is now. But we're asking, we're praying, stay on the basis of bearing and watch God work on your behalf. Watch Him bless you. It may take time. You may need patience, but God will fulfill His promise. Where will we go? Jesus was teaching one day. And many of his disciples, they went back, they left. And so Jesus looked to those remaining 12 and he said, Will ye go away? And Peter, always the first to speak, he says confidently, he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Where are we going to go today? If we get off of the reference line, I ask you today a question. Where is it better than living for God? What better plan is there than the plan of God for your life? What better hope do you have if you don't have a hope in Jesus? Where will we go? Where can I turn to? That's why I come to the house of the Lord. Sure, there's disappointments. Sure, there's things that get me discouraged. But I come to the house of the Lord because he never will leave me nor forsake me. I got him in my sights. And as long as I have clear vision, I can perpetuate his blessings, his goodness. And I know where I'm at. Oh, put your hands together and worship him this morning. And I like to say today that if I kick the leg here, it's a common term. Matter of fact, this is set up incorrectly. Uh, <laughs> this leg is online if I'm looking in the way the optics are faced. And they call that a beer leg. Now, we don't, we don't do this in the survey. I'm just telling you what they called it. That was a beer leg. Because you set, a, you set a leg up online. I can't pull a chain from that point on down the line. So you owe everyone, you owe everyone a root beer. But if it gets knocked down or if I have to reset up, I can do that. Because I know where I'm at. And I know where he's at. And things in life will knock you down or kick a leg, get you out of level, get you out of plumb. It's easy, <clears throat> excuse me, just to set up and realign yourself. You can always find Jesus. Once you find yourself again, you can always find Jesus, and he can help you no matter what happens, no matter what storms come. And so it's easy to live for God when you have the right line of reference, the right basis of bearing. You won't backslide when your focus is clear. You won't slander the church when your focus is on Jesus and you won't 
Complain about everything when the master is in your foresight. You will serve in God's kingdom when you realize you are actually serving the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You won't be lost when you have your eyes on Jesus. And that's why it's important. I love my church. And I, I love the saints. I love this leadership. I love the ministry. I, I love GBFPC. And I was thinking, as a matter of fact, I was thinking in preparation for this message, I was woken early this morning, and the thought occurred to me around 3.30 that I have been in this church in November. In November, I will have been an attendee, a, sir, a saint in God's house, in this house, for, for 29 years. You know what that means? I'm getting old. Brother Bradford has been here the entirety of those 29 years. And it's just interesting to me that there have been many things in life that has happened in those 29 years. There have been hardships and struggles. I didn't land on this property uh, in the most favorable way under extreme duress, Pastor. But I can say during that whole time that I've had a clear focus because of leadership, because of saints that prayed for me and took me in, that helped me when I couldn't see, that showed me, yes, God loves you, and this is where you need to be. I want to be that kind of person to the people of the house of the Lord. I've been under Brother Bradford's ministry for 29 years, his entirety. He was always my youth pastor, or he was my Bible quizzing coach, or he was now my pastor, always in some capacity, and he's never led me astray, and I'm thankful for that. I have called him sometimes angry and, and confused. And I've always left better because he has a clear focus. He has a clear vision. He knows where we're going. He has a basis of bearing. It's interesting how God can bless an individual. And I will use myself because God didn't I didn't deserve the love of the Lord. I don't know why he chose me. I don't know why he picked me up out of the miry clay and set my feet on the rock to stay. I had nothing to offer him. Brokenness, divorce, poor there was nothing good in me, but there was a focus and there was a line. Amen. There was a line. I can remember I can remember coming to this church. I told this story the other day. I left the locker room. I left the locker room, sophomore year, lettered as a Baxter Springs Lion football player. That's when my growth stopped, too. I was still growing. I'm five foot eight still. And someone said, hey, Jeremy, your mom's outside. So I got out, we got in the car, and we left from the high school parking lot straight to California. I never went back. That was the middle of my sophomore year, November. That's why I say in November it'll be 29 years. And I remember Bishop Frost putting his arm around me. This is going to be your school, Bethel Apostolic Academy. And we walk outside to the football field, and I just, I'm wearing shoulder pads and thigh pads. And, you know, I'm bumping up against big burly guys and we're chasing pigskins and, and fumble. It's just great. And here are these Bethel pioneers running around in flags, playing flag football. And he says, here we are. We have football here. I did not want to be here, but God wanted me here. And there was turmoil in my life. And there was things that 
that I could not repair, but God knew how to repair them because he heard my cry late at night in those high school days. God, you got to fix this. God, you got to save my family. God, I have the Holy Ghost. You got to rekindle that flame. And he put that back in me. He gave me something better. And he gave me ministry. He gave me leaders that have never lost their focus. I can say today that I am blessed. I'm telling you, you listen to the man of God today. Everything that I have is because of counsel through the man of God and the Lord himself helping me along the way. I have a house. My house I have. My pastor told me, hey, you need to look at these houses. I went and looked at those houses. That's the house I live in today. My job, my pastor, Brother McAllister, men of God, said, hey, here's, here, here's an opportunity for you if you would just take it. You had other dreams and aspirations, and now my job has been very good to me because I listened, because I had clear focus. And if he did that for me, my friend, today he can do that for you. Hallelujah. I'm not going to slander the man of God because I have focus. I have a vision. I have a purpose. I have a basis of bearing. This is where I'm going. This is my direction. Everything that I do, I uplift the church. As a matter of fact, I uplift the, 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 the church, the church family leadership. I can tell you right now, I get so frustrated with my boys. I can tell them, hey, I need you to help me here, here, and there. And they complain and they moan. But the minute pastor calls them, hey, dad, I got to go. Pastor has a... Couch, he wants to move to Timbuktu, so bye. See you later. <laughs> they call my boys, and they're up and out of, dressed out of bed, awake, alert, ready to go. You know why? It's because they realize that there's a basis of bearing. They, re they realize that the church is important, that the man of God is important. I'm glad that my boys have that in them, and they love God. They love church. They're involved today in ministry because if I ever got offline, where would my family be? Where would my wife and kids be? I have a basis of bearing. I have a point of reference this morning, and I'm quickly coming to a close. If the musicians would come, forgive me for taking this time, but I just want to say that you can still be lost in the house of the Lord even though you're coming to the house of the Lord. The parable of the lost coin tells us that, that the coins were lost in the house, and so the house had to be swept. There had to be a searching party that would go forth to find that which was lost. You could come to church, my friend, and you could think that you have it all together, but what you're really doing is you're running on autonomy. You know why people get, you know why people get upset and they get unhappy in the house of the Lord is because they just, they're just satisfied with being where they are, and they have autonomy, but they don't have any direction. And so instead of putting Jesus in the foresight and saying, how can I perpetuate the kingdom of God and how can, I, how can I expand the borders of the house of the Lord? They're just content with where they are and they get unhappy because they don't see any growth spiritually because they're not helping the kingdom of God spiritually. They're not helping the harvest grow. They're not a part of any prayer meeting. They're not a part of any prayer team or outreach team or Sunday school. There's many opportunities in the house of the Lord, but it all depends on where your point of reference is. I'm not just here just to sit like a bump on a log and expect, expect the blessings of God to come to me. I'm driven this morning with passion because there's, there's borders to take. I can expand. I can expand. The, I, can, I can help God's kingdom expand, not for my glory, but in all, in all of that, there's an effort. There's a heart. There's a desire that the lost would be saved. If he did it for me, then I want him to do it for my brother Donnie. So I'm not going to sit in church and start complaining about sister so-and-so and brother so-and-so. I'm not going to have all of this bitterness in my heart when I come to the house of the Lord. I'm not going to worry about how soft the music is or how loud it could be or how bright the lights are or why are we putting new carpet in. I'm going to get my focus on Jesus because I want the kingdom of God to expand. Do you hear me today? You need a basis of bearing. You need a reference. Where are you heading to? Where are you, where are you going? As we stand together in the house of the Lord this morning,
David said it in our opening scripture. If you look at the life of King David, you read Psalm and those that he wrote. David complained. <laughs> David was angry. David was a murderer. David had hardship. He had family trouble. But he was one of the best accolades that man could be given. He was a man after God's own heart. And you can read his story, and you, you can follow him down life's path. Yeah, David that fought the bear, and David that fought the lion, and David that conquered Goliath. But what about Uriah? And what about Absalom and Beersheba? And what about all that? We don't want to talk about that. Why? Because God said, you're a man after my own heart. And he truly was. He knew how to have a point of reference. He knew where to go. You found a lot of Psalms in your Bible today because he wrote them. Because he was talking to God about his problems. He knew who his reference point was. He knew who he needed to talk to. He knew who could solve all of his issues. So he wasn't backsliding. He wasn't giving up. He wasn't turning away. But he put his affections on things above. Didn't have the Holy Ghost, but he said his affection's right. He said, I can't build the temple, but I'm going to provide every instrument that needs to be there for the temple to be built by my son, Solomon. I'm going to put my, my, my life into perspective. You know what would happen today if you put your life in perspective? All of a sudden, everything that you're doing would grow. You would find favor. You'd be able to build. You'd be able to expand your territory because you're, you're in line. You have a reference line. You have a basis of bearing. And today, as we come to a conclusion, I just want to ask you as they sing this morning, do you have a basis of bearing? Do you know where you're going? Maybe you need to know where you're at first. Well, can I invite you collectively to an altar this morning? You can find where you are, and you can ask the Lord to help you where you are, and he can forgive you if you have sin. He can help you if you need help. Hallelujah. And then you need to say, God, give me direction. He is a hope that maketh not ashamed this morning. Hallelujah. Why did you come to the house of the Lord this morning? Do you have hopes and dreams? Do you have things that need fixed in your spirit? Well, here we are today in the house of the Lord. You've come to the right shelter. Now let's start building a fire, a fire of incense, of praise and adoration that is holy unto the Lord and watch him work on your behalf. You have loved ones that need Jesus. Well, God, help me be a light unto them. Align me, God. Let, my, let your glory shine through me that they may see you in me. I need to be perfected. I need to be right, God. I need your righteousness this morning. Hallelujah. This morning, this invitation is to ask you, to implore you, find direction today in the house of the Lord. He is here. He is willing and he is waiting. David said, I waited patiently on the Lord and he inclined unto me. He heard my cry. He brought me up out of a horrible pit. He took me out of the miry clay, set my feet on a rock to stay and he established my goings. Hallelujah. God, that's my prayer. Establish my goings. Let's pray together. Hallelujah. Every hand lifted, every voice raised this morning. God, establish my goings this morning. I worship you and honor you. I give you praise and glory. Oh God, I'm setting my face towards you. I'm drawing nigh unto you, Lord. I'm drawing nigh unto you this morning. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. The Holy Ghost is here. Just for a moment, let's pray. Let's pray.
that which is lost. That was his purpose. That was the ministry of Christ, to find those that are lost. And once he finds those that are lost, like David said, he established their goings. Hallelujah. He established their goings. Amen. That's my prayer today. So as you pray in conclusion, as they sing once again. So what is this called? The way you set this up, you said this set up wrong because this is what? A beer leg? So this is a beer leg. That's what this message connected with me was the beer leg. You should have called the message the beer leg. You could, you could redo that called the beer leg. Praise God. And the reason it's a beer leg is because if the line's supposed to go that way, and this is the point of reference, right? You can't draw a line through that. So there's a leg in the way. And you didn't do that. That was Caden. Caden did that. He doesn't know any better. And so he, he came out here and he was going to take off and ran into the beer leg. You know what I find uh, with people in pastoring? If this is the reference line or the point, and you got to run a line, this is your first point, and wherever you're going to make the second point is the line. Right? Is that right? And God calls us here. Hebrews said, leaving the doctrines of baptisms, and he's not saying to leave those important things. He's saying that's the point of reference, salvation, getting connected, pulling you out of the miry clay, a new birth experience. It's a, it's a point in time. But he didn't, he didn't call you to just stay at that point. The point is there for purpose, but it's to go that way. There's a line. you got to extend the line. you got to do something with what God has called you to do. Praise God. And you know what a lot of people's problems are? It's the beer legs. The reason they're here and they're not going there is because there's stuff that is blocking them. It's all the beer legs. It's the root of bitterness. It's this. It's that. It's the it's it's expectations that weren't measured up to. It was all kinds of somebody said something, did something. It's relation. It's a lot of beer legs that get in the way of extending the line. You know what the message was here today? Reposition this. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know. But I know enough to know that. You gotta get the beer leg out of the way so you got and you can see forward. Praise God. How about we recognize and take inventory of every little thing that stands in the way of where God is wanting to take us. God's wanting to take you to greater heights, more dimension, greater blessing. But you got to get rid of this stuff that's standing in the way. Praise God. Why don't you lift your hands today and say, God, I want you to direct me. I want you to point me in the right direction. Use the you. Let's thank him together. Lord, we thank you and praise you. Establish us. But don't just establish us. Help us to draw a line to somebody else. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It's all about you. Stuff in the way. You gotta eliminate that stuff. 
Amen. I know people are not snotting and crying here on the altar, but it's hitting just as strong and just as powerful because every single one of us, if we're not careful, we'll end up with stuff in the way where God's wanting to direct us and point us and go. Amen. You got to clear the path, Brother Lonnie. You got to clear the path. Praise God. Thank you, Brother Brock, for a word this morning. Let's clear the path. Amen. Where are we going? We're going, we're going in the direction of revival. That's where we're going. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. This will be the last time, but let's clap our hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We'll be here tonight, 530.